0: sex and sensuality the podcast where we speak what your dirty mind thinks we are here every monday night at 9 p.m chatting about tantalizing topics that most won't dare say aloud Hello, hello, and welcome to Sex and Sensuality the Podcast. I am your host, Miss Mika Nicole. I have my co-hosts, Gigi and Tavi. How are you doing, ladies? Good. Doing, doing great. Good, good, good. So I am looking forward to talking about tonight's show. Um, we are talking about sex in religion. And uh-huh. I know, guys. It's going to be so interesting. (laughs) Our top discussion points are what role does religion play in sex and sexuality, if any? Should pastors and pastor wives only have sex like one way, like missionary? (laughs) How (laughs) freaky is too freaky for a person who's religious? And should certain sexual acts be off limits when you're involved in the church like in a leadership role thought what are your thoughts on premarital sex and why is cheating so prevalent in the church so I can't wait to dive into it because I know sex and religion is just it's it's been like this like they just fight each other so much for whatever reason what did you say I said, it's like a battle. <laughs> yeah, it's a battle. And I'm like, why do we have to have this battle? We should be, especially if they say the marriage bed is undefined right. in the Bible. <laughs> yes, it does. So it's like, why do you have to be a prune, you know, when it comes to, did I say that right? I said a prune. Is it prune? Mm-hmm. It's prune. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> why do you have to be that way just because you're a pastor or a pastor's wife or a minister or deacon like why do we even have to go there so those are our discussion points tonight I can't wait to dive into it just how have you guys been doing how has how was your week anything you want to share before we dive into our topic well, well I'll easy. go I'll okay go. so this week I um (laughs) last
1: week my my granddaughter turned 15, so let me tell you, we went out to Sky Zone. I don't know if y'all have ever been, but I Mm -hmm. found myself thinking I'm a daggone kid and got on one of those swing things with my little hair. And girl, (laughs) I went up and came right down into all of them little balloons and lost three nails.
0: So. Oh my goodness, girl! Well, at least you was trying. You were having a good time,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> And that's all that matters. <laughs> what about you, Tavi? So
2: I actually had the kids for spring break. I had our little one, our little step baby, and his little sister came this time, who's four years old. He's seven, so it was an adventure all week. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had them for like three or four days by myself because Jess had to work. <laughs> So it was exhausting. It was fun. It was definitely fun, but it was exhausting.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can imagine. I mean, I know how it is. I have a three-year-old myself. Mm -hmm. so She was out of school today. So I had to navigate working and keeping her, making sure she was entertained and taken care of. And she's like, coming into my office like (laughs) while I'm in the middle of sessions. And I'm like, girl. So I can imagine it being you know, very, you know,
2: tiresome. It was loud. Yeah, I was like, I was like, today I took, a, like after they left, I just took a deep breath. It looked at my wife, and wife, I'm like, do you hear that? And she's like, what? I was like, silence. Yeah. <laughs> we have not had silence because that little one is just, she is just loud. Very different than Jackson. Very, very different. She is loud, live and in color. Like. Well, I
0: mean, she's, she's four. Just, so they're going to have a lot more energy. They're going to want to do more, So it's
2: it's normal. It's normal. And she's a little girl. So they talk. She talks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it was fun though.
0: Good, good, good. good. So I had a good week myself, but I'm going to dive into this topic, guys. So I found a little hot topic. So there's this guy in 2016, he's actually a minister and he was talking, his goal is to teach people to not feel shame when having sex outside of marriage. Okay. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Christians, he's, I'm talking about Christians, not okay. just regular, you know, just anybody. I'm okay. talking about Christians because a lot of us don't care, right? But yeah, I was like, okay, problem is. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he wrote an entire book about it and he talked about premarital and he also talked about extramarital sex. mm. I know. So his goal, like I said, again, is trying to help people not feel shame. These are my thoughts in reference to that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we should have any restrictions on who we are as individuals, right? Like mm-hmm. no one right. should be able to tell us what we should and shouldn't do, can and can't do whatever. And I get that point of his book, like of trying to say Don't feel ashamed about it. Like you did it, you did it. You need to own up to it and then move on with your life. There's no need to beat yourself up. And what I have found and I've seen with people, even just counseling people, that they beat themselves up. Like it's like, oh my God, I had sex outside of marriage. Oh, the Lord's gonna hate me. Strike me down, now, Jesus. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) I don't feel like we need to put that pressure on ourselves. I Mm. think if you do it own up to it and if if you are a Christian and you are worried about it, you know, pray for forgiveness and move on with your life. Like you can't beat yourself up so much so that, you know, it's causing you distress and now you can't enjoy Maybe you're married now, and but now you can't enjoy your sex life because you've beaten yourself up about decisions you made before you became married. Yeah, Anybody? I agree. <laughs> I mean, y'all don't be leaving me here talk, talking about myself. We're recording. <laughs> oh, no, we, I'm listening. <laughs> I mean,
2: I don't like the thought of, you know, like, any religion, whatever religion you serve, saying you can't do this until this. And, like, I'm more of a... Sp- spirituality person, not organized religion. (laughs) And I believe in freedom of expression. If that's what you want to do, go for it. If that's what you don't want to do, that's fine too. But as far as like shaming yourself and that you made choices for your life, like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you should just live and be free and do what makes you happy.
0: Yeah, I feel like God already died. Like they said Jesus already died for your sins. So you can't die again. So (laughs) let me tell
1: you something. Let me tell you something. I don't think people sometimes they love to use the Bible as a way of whipping somebody, chastising Mm -hmm. them. And they only want to pick and choose what in the scriptures pertains to whatever message they're trying to get across. Right. And if you really want to think about it, so in some parts of the Bible, there's some really steamy moments, right? There's some stuff in there that you'd be like, "What? They actually were writing about this in the Bible?" But in Song of Songs, right? There's a part in there. Mm -hmm. Let me me read this. That says, "Your stature is like that of the palm." I'm gonna read it like it sounds to me, right? (laughs) And And your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breast be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples Mm -hmm. and your mouth like the best wine. May the wine go straight to my beloved flowing gently over the lips and teeth. I belong to my beloved. And His desire is for me now. You tell
0: me, I'm telling you. Well, we know so. It, this is Song of Solomon, right? Song of Songs, yeah. Song of Song, Song? of Songs, yeah, but it's by Solomon, right? Solomon, right? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. he wrote all those. And we know, you know, in Christianity, they're saying, like, oh, well, he's talking about his wife, and he could talk about his wife like that, but it's like. Right. You will say that he can talk about his wife like that. But in real life, why is it which leads leads me to the second question about should pastor and pastor wives like only enjoy missionary sex or whatever, because it it seems like from what I've heard and talked about in church, it's like they don't want their wives sucking dick and doing anal and mm-hmm. hitting on top and riding it and hitting it from the back. It's like all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yes. why can't y'all do that? Why are you feeling so much shame in pleasing your partner and how they want to be pleased and doing oral sex and exploring anal sex? Like, why is that an issue? It shouldn't I be an, an still, issue. It shouldn't
1: be. And I think a lot of that has to do with what, our parents, grandparents taught us about the Bible, right? Again, it goes to only using those scriptures that they want to push a message for. So when you're thinking about the Bible, you're thinking about God, people think, oh my God, he's watching. He's watching me. (laughs) And if he's sitting here in my room watching me have sex with my wife or my husband, and for some reason, the husbands don't want their wives, right? The ones they put the ring on, the one, the first ladies that stand up in church to imagine (laughs) them. Doing those things of having anal sex and foreplay and giving head, and they don't want any of that, but they have no problem. I'm sorry to say, some
0: of them have no problem having mistress on the side that will be doing the exact same thing. So, our next topic then why is cheating so prevalent in the church? Because that's a huge, huge thing, too. There's a lot of infidelity in the church, and it's like you're pretty, it's a pressure. The pressure of what? I think the pressure of
2: holding on to like all these ideals and rules, like this is how you're supposed to behave and and mm-hmm. staying within this box. And I think eventually that pressure of do the right thing, do the right thing. You'd be like, you know what? The wrong thing seems a little fun. I could do the wrong thing. I'll just go back and repent later. But <laughs> I think just the pressure of it, like it's kind of like when it's to, like don't do something, makes you want to do it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I well, think-
0: You kind of got that, yeah. I agree with you. So they said in an anonymous survey, I'm reading some statistics. It says, in an anonymous survey, 33% of pastors admitted to crossing the line with a woman that's not their spouse without having been caught. In another study, the respondents revealed that one in nine pastors, around 11%, had committed adultery. Similar findings were discovered in a survey of 277 Southern Baptist pastors 14% 14% were involved in some inappropriate sexual activity. 10% disclosed they had a sexual relationship with either a present or former member of the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And you know what I, I feel? I agree with you, Toby when you said that sometimes it, it could be like the pressure and that idea of I can't do, you know, I'm not supposed to do any wrong. But what I also see in the church is that there are a lot of vulnerable women. Yeah, uh-huh. a lot of that's where I was gonna go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of single vulnerable women who are looking for support, looking for prayer, looking for guidance. So they go and turn to their pastor, and mm-hmm. then they continue to talk to their pastors and meet because you know these pastors they say they counselors too, mm-hmm. so they go and meet with them and do some counseling with the pastor, and then before you know it, they are having feelings for this pastor that they do of of love but it may be misguided in a sense and then it ends up turning into lust and then now they're having sex and then you have the church scandal and now you've got a church scandal what was you going to say janelle i was going
1: to tell you okay so a couple of things with that i definitely piggyback off of what you said you know because they say in the church is a hospital right you're you're there in a church to help relieve pain That's what it's supposed to be there. You're going there, you're confiding in your pastor, your ministers, your reverence. And what happens is that transition of not understanding them being there for you and the the feelings that you think you have for them. And it happens so prominently in the churches within congregation, as well Mm -hmm. as the laity, as well as the ministers and higher ups, right? Mm -hmm. Some of it has to do with, like we spoke about earlier, the internal fight that we have with whatever it is sexually that we're wanting to experience. And then the things that we have in our mind about spirituality are in such a big conflict Mm -hmm. that you don't think that you can be, again, we talk about this all the time, honest with your spouse about whatever it is. Maybe it's pornography, but when you got married, you never told her about that. Right, Mm -hmm. you that part of yourself. If it was about you experiencing with multiple partners, you know, you got married and you never told them about that. So now, those inner demons, as you want to say, inside that you're fighting within yourself, don't go away. They don't, right? We've spoken about that a lot, right, Mika? So, Mm -hmm. in that, once you get in the church, you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna give this, I'm gonna lay this at the altar, and it's gonna go away. It, It doesn't work that way, it's just like therapy, you have to work. First of all, you got to be honest about it and get it out. So if you're not doing that, those things inside are going to still be there, which now you have this weakness. And Mm -hmm. then once that weakness is is prevalent, somebody else that's in the church that's in pain and weak, for some reason, those two things will always seem to come together. That is Uh so true. How you try to fight it. And that's how part of that infidelity
0: will definitely start steaming up in the church. I agree. Also, you know, power, I think that's kind of like where Tavi was going a little bit, like they have a sense of power and a sense of responsibility. And we already know when you're in a position of power, mm-hmm. you have, it's like, oh gosh, everybody looks up to me. They love me. Right. You probably develop a little narcissism in a sense. You're very and charismatic. Then, yes. It, Yep. Charisma, all that kind of stuff. So some of the other things they said, because I agree with you, Gigi. I agree with you, Tavi. I'm just going to read you out a few other things is Mm -hmm. lack of personal adjustment. It says when someone feels unsuccessful in living up to their calling, sexuality can become a way to compensate. It could be a means to attempt to feel more powerful or to project a powerful self image. So like if a pastor is struggling with like Feeling pain, loneliness, or vulnerability, they may try to deal with these difficult emotions in unhelpful ways, which mm-hmm. means they try to overcompensate by you know getting with different women in the church because it makes them feel good right. about themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh Lord. It says also marriage, like if there's marital strain in with for that pastor. Of course, we already know that if you're experiencing issues in your relationship, I don't care you a pastor or not. It's hard for some people to maintain discipline and loyalty as they go out and try to compensate for the stress that they're feeling in their marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry. Lack of intimacy. If they feel like there is no emotional or physical intimacy with their partner, with their spouse. They seek connections on an intellectual and emotional level, and then of course that ends up you end up building intimacy with somebody because you could go and start reading the Bible with someone who is more interested in it than your wife. And what is that? What can that lead to? Like you're studying the Bible, you're reading it, you're getting close, you you developing some intimacy. Then all of a sudden, it's like ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, you're sexy,
1: you're cute, you know. So I want to tell y'all something I, I I could, I have, you know, being a Christian, but at one point I was actually studying Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Now, in, when I was there at the Kingdom Hall, there was a couple where there was infidelity that happened within the congregation. And the difference, the way they handle things and how some, I'm not going to say all, some Christian churches deal with things is... When you're a Jehovah's Witness, if you have sinned against a brother or sister, and it is it at that point, everyone is held accountable, especially the person that did the sin, right? Mm-hmm. But everyone is told, literally, they stand you up in front of the congregation. You are to say the sins that you created, and then mm-hmm. you are, are ostracized from everyone else, right? And it's to make you feel ashamed for what you did, and to take accountability for your actions, and to be able to. Move forward, right? So, his wife the only one that could talk to him was his wife. No one in the church that in the kingdom hall could even speak to him, except for his immediate family. In the Christian church, as I told you before, they hide that, you know what I'm saying? They they know what's going on, they brush it under the rug, and they let it continue, which causes this momentum of it being okay. And now, if there is infidelity in church, now that's something that the rest of The congregation knows, oh, if I cheat or I mess around with somebody in here, as long as I don't let nobody know, the pastor's not gonna reprimand me, the ministers or anybody else. I think those two, the the way that they deal with those are totally wrong. I I like the way that the Jehovah's Witness deal it. For me, it's about truth and getting it out there because otherwise it's gonna continue.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I and I've heard that too. I've had a, a couple of clients that said they had to do that confession. You know when they've done something wrong in the Jehovah mm-hmm. Witness um, Church, uh, yeah, mosque. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> the, whole, they, the whole Kingdom Hall <laughs> in the Kingdom I have a Hall for your ladies. Uh huh. So let's
2: say you have a pastor of a church who commits adultery and cheats on his wife. It becomes a big scandal. Do you think that the pastor of the church should get fired and no longer be a pastor? Or should they repent, ask for forgiveness and say they learned their lesson and continue to to preach or do whatever?
0: That's a good question. I feel like they've caused harm. And, you know, when you're in that position, you're not supposed to lead your flock to any danger. Mm -hmm. That's what they say. So I'm not going to say that they need to be fired forever. You know, maybe they need to sit down maybe for a year or two until they have regained they are what spiritual wings I don't know <laughs> like they like you see it's like a tangible change right in them okay. and then they could talk about putting them back in the pulpit at that yeah. church because right. everyone sins you know if we're going to um, talk about mm-hmm. the bible and stuff Everyone makes mistakes. No one is perfect. And that is our pastor too. I just think that we hold our pastors at a very high, high standard. High yeah. right. And so the punishment has to be high, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of that. I, but I don't think it needs to be like, oh, you can never preach in this church or town again, sir, because you're a cheater. No, yeah. it's, you know what? He can redeem himself, you know, and, right. he yeah. can, and it, maybe it, sit down for a year or two and maybe, the assistant pastor or, you know, one of the up and coming ministers can mm-hmm. lead the church while he gets himself together, you know, and re-acclimate right. to religion.
1: Exactly. Right, also, right. Like I said, taking accountability because he has to not just take ownership for his actions, but he has to show The church that once you do something, you have to repent for it. And everyone needs to see what it was and watch the change in you, because that's that's the whole point. When you're reading the Bible, you're supposed to be seeing not just an inward change, but an outward change. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we're not perfect. No one is. Right. So, yes, he can make that mistake. But what are you doing once you've made it for everyone else on the outside to see the change that you have made? Right. Right. I agree.
0: I agree. agree. what are y'all thoughts on premarital sex? Because we really didn't get into that. We talked about it with the guy saying that, you know, you shouldn't feel ashamed if you have premarital sex. You know, me, I, I have felt, you know, I have I was in the church and for a little while, really, really hard. And I felt a lot of shame surrounding my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And okay, I started in the church. I really wasn't like into women as much, but I was kind of into women, you know, and then when I started getting deeper into the church, I started listening to a lot of the stuff they started talking about. And I'm like, oh my God, like you don't make anyone feel welcome, right? At all. Mm-hmm. I don't, I do kind of change subjects, but I'll say this real quick and then I go back to premarital sex. <laughs> so I'm like, you're not making anyone feel welcome. You're making them feel like they should feel shame for themselves and who they are and what they've done in their past. And and if in your past, you've had premarital sex, you shouldn't feel shame for that. You should feel like, oh, I'm coming into this church to be redeemed. And now I can work and do something right in life, you know, quote unquote, if that's what the church's message is about. I don't know if y'all get what I'm saying. I kind of went all over the place there. <laughs>
1: no, I can't.
2: <laughs> I, I, was going, um, I was going on a journey with you. <laughs>
1: I definitely get what you're saying because that's one of the biggest things where Archbishop being, you know, rest in peace, he just passed last year, spoke about. And the reason he started Unity, the movement was based on love is love, right? God already knew who you were before you took your first breath. So at the end of the day, we're just catching up to who he already knew we were going to be. You understand? Mm-hmm. So he loves me and you regardless. The Bible and the people that, Teach it. You, like again, use it to condemn.
0: But mm-hmm. God
1: loves us anyway. And you know, you know, when you want to you have people sit up here and they talk about religion and you know homosexuality, they always want to start saying, oh, Adam and Eve and Adam and Steve and all of these other things. But there are plenty of references in the Bible about same-sex. Mm.
0: and you know I what i also think about i think that people have to understand too when the world was created if, if we're going to talk about like genesis and the world mm, being created yes. you needed a man and a woman to populate the earth, the earth. so it was okay. like how else <laughs> would you <gonna> populate <laughs> the earth <laughs> exactly. exactly so of course I don't, you know they're not mentioning in that time in, in genesis you know say well in that part of Genesis, same-sex relationships, because there was a different purpose mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's at right. that That's time. <laughs> yeah, That's like you had all of them sleeping with each other, right? The sisters, the brothers, the co- because they had to
0: populate the earth. Yeah, right.
1: They were yeah. populating
0: the earth. They were creating. Like I mean, them. we all we all related. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Y'all gonna say that we came from Adam and Eve, but then that means we all sisters, brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever. We everything to all of all everyone. You know, it is what it is. But Uh okay, so back to premarital (laughs) sex, real quick. (laughs) And then I want us to do an entire topic on later on on religion and homosexuality. Homosexual. Well, -hmm. I'm, I'm not gonna call it homosexuality. I'm gonna call it same sex loving. You know. Okay. I want us to do a topic on that because I think that is such a deep topic. Like we cannot do that in, in the mix of just this episode has to be its own separate topic because Mm -hmm. so many people have been hurt, you know, by this, by religion, because of who they are as a lesbian or gay male. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have that conversation And, but premarital sex, I, in my opinion, I don't, I I feel like if you're going to have premarital sex, you know me, I'm sex positive. I'm like, okay, just make sure you're protecting yourself. But I feel like it's really hard to have, to get married to someone that you don't know if you're sexually compatible with them. Mm -hmm. That'll be a deal breaker for me. I need to know these things. (laughs) I need to know what's happening before I lock it down. (laughs) Yeah, I want to know what's going on because if you're not sexually compatible, we know sex and finances. Those are some of the top reasons people divorce. Yes, that's it. So I feel like it's important to have premarital sex, but it may need to be... You know, if we're going to, if you're a religious type of person, of course, do what you feel your religion dictates for you to do. But I'm saying if you, I I just feel like if you know that you're in a serious relationship, you know what's going, you know that you are heading towards marriage. I don't find it to be an issue. I mean, that's my personal opinion. Right. I don't think you're going to hell for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't. I, I agree with you 100%. Just make sure you're having sex with the right person. I feel like that's more important than like if you're married or not or relationship, just like make sure it's the right person and you're being safe. Mm
0: -hmm. That's it. Make sure it's the right person. You're being safe. So I think that was pretty much it for now on this episode. We have so much more that we could talk about.
1: That's the truth. (laughs) um,
0: When it comes to this. So we're going to have this topic again. We're going to do a part two to this later on maybe in May, we'll do a second half of this episode because I really think it's important. Religion plays such a big role in who we are, regardless of if, even if we don't practice religion, you know, practice Christianity, Mm -hmm. it plays a role in who we are because of societal norms, our parents, our friends, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's important to talk about. Yes, it is. Agreed. Any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap this up? Well, I just want to
1: say that at the end of it, we just need to make sure that we love one another, right? Mm -hmm. And not judge anyone on their choices and who they love, period. Making sure you take accountability for your actions and be mindful of other people's feelings when you do it.
0: Oh, yes. I I love that you said that. Mm, Just be a good human. Be a good human. human. Treat people the way, you know, at the... But the one thing that I take away from this, I have a few things that I take away from the Bible, but this is one of the ones I take. One of the things I take away is treat others the way you want to be treated, and it may not sound exactly like that in the Bible, but that is the point of that particular verse in the Bible. <laughs> is Indeed. treat others the way you want to be treated? It's so important. Just do that. If you could just do, do that, that, this world will be such in uh-huh. such a good place. Okay.
1: All right.
0: right. Actually, Ooh. I say, period. period. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> all right. I hope you all have a good night. Thank you for joining Sex and Sensuality, the podcast where we speak what your dirty mind thinks. You all take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> good night. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Sex and Sensuality, the podcast.